Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And we're back on Believe in Softball, presented by Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and we are moving right along this summer. So let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases. I got some updates in the softball world for you, as usual. Then we'll head into the interview today with Sasha Palacios, another Pac-12 alum and future Olympian, which is always a treat. And we'll wrap things up with the double play tip of the week, the physical and mental tip to help us get better. So let's get into it. Covering our bases. So Alyssa Nacken made history again in Major League Baseball. So she's a Sacramento State softball alum. She first made history at the beginning of the year when she was hired by the San Francisco Giants as the first ever full-time female coach in the majors. This week, she became the first woman to coach in an on-field capacity in a major league game. She actually coached first base against the Oakland A's. And, you know, finally watching baseball was so nice, but to have someone from our softball community break down another barrier for women, that's the real win in my opinion, and I love a good sports crossover. Along those lines, pro women's soccer is coming to LA. The new team will be the 11th team in the National Women's Soccer League, the pro soccer league here in the States. And it's a group of investors, mainly women, which is awesome, from all different aspects of life and business. So in sports, you got people like Mia Hamm, Julie Foudy, Abby Wambach, and then Serena Williams. From the entertainment side, you have Natalie Portman, Eva Longoria, Jessica Chastain, Jennifer Garner, more, and then business leaders as well, all getting in on this and investing in professional women's sports. It's a community coming together. It's women's empowerment. There's really just nothing better. And it's a whole new meaning of angel investors, right? Get it? Okay. So let's bring it back to college softball. The Florida Gulf Coast League champions have been named so in the college league's first year ever the miaka city river mocks came out on top and it was highlighted by mac leonard from illinois state not only was she a champion on the team but she was also named the league mvp and an all-star plus she's a pitcher who hits and y'all know i love that in her interview that she recently did with justin's world of softball she talked about how this summer season helped her relax and she brought up a good point too there's a baseball league. Why can't there be a softball league? And I've said it before, and I will continue to, that summer ball is a game changer for collegiate players. So I'd love to see more leagues like this pop up throughout the country, especially to this level too. Like she said, with baseball, it's like all of these organized leagues, the players all travel to one area to play out their games. There's a championship, all of that. That's actually even more organized than what I did in the summers when I was still in college. So as long as we can keep up-leveling and keep growing, it's great. There was also a new NFCA award announced this week, the Natasha Watley Scholarship for Social Change. And this is presented in partnership with Sue Inquist, who was also Natasha's former coach and fellow UCLA legend. And it's awarded to a Black coach of any level. And so if you look at their official statement, they will award this scholarship to a Black coach who has, quote, 
created educational or athletic opportunities for their community, has removed and overcome obstacles through social change, or has opened doors for growing the game of fast pitch for black girls or women. They also say they wanna present this scholarship to somebody who quote, embodies courage and commitment to break down barriers, create change within the sport, and has a need for financial assistance to attend the NFCA National Convention. You know, Natasha is a good friend of the show and a huge pillar of our softball community. So congrats, keep up the great work. And lastly, the Tokyo Olympics would have started this week. Such a strange feeling for all the athletes affected by the Olympic postponement to 2021. And softball actually would have been the first sport to get to compete. So for all the future Tokyo Olympians, especially the friends that we've had here on Believe in Softball, and if you're new to the show, we've had about eight athletes who will compete in Tokyo on as guests. From USA, we had Monica Abbott, Kehlani Ricketts, Kelsey Stewart. Team Canada, you had Danielle Laurie and Victoria Hayward. And then Team Mexico, we've had Danielle O'Toole, Brittany Cervantes, and today's guest, Sachel Palacios. And I just want to say that I'm sending you all love and support and can't wait to watch you next year. And I also can't wait to share my conversation with Sachel right now. So let's take a listen. She is a longtime catcher for Team Mexico, future Tokyo Olympian, NPF player, professional athlete for Athletes Unlimited, Arizona State alum, and all Pac-12 honoree, Sachel Palacios. Thank you so much for coming. Welcome. Thank you for welcoming me. I'm super excited to chat. Me too. And I have to say, so you played with Taylor Becerra at ASU, right? Yeah. So I'm not the first Becerra that you have come across. No, no. Uh, yeah, I, I remember um, on Twitter, um, I think you uh, mentioned Coach Ford and Taylor Becerra, and I thought it was the funniest thing. But yeah, I played with Taylor for t- two years, I think. Um, and yeah, so when I saw that, I was, I was laughing. I think I gave it a like and a retweet. Love it. Thank you, first of all, for that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you're 100% right, because I had Coach Ford on the show. She actually coached me when I was at Stanford um, mm-hmm. for all four years, and I had asked her when she came on, like, who was her favorite Becerra, you know, me or Taylor, yeah. like, obviously joking, but the most I could get out of her was that I was at least the OG Becerra, and I was like, that's yeah. fine. I will take it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. You put Coach Ford under the under the burner. You gave her those tough questions. I got to keep her on her toes, right? She does that to us. So <laughs> don't worry. I won't make you answer that question, though. Uh, I don't know if I'd stand a chance anyway. I don't think anything comes between teammates. So yeah. <laughs> the five minutes of knowing each other has been great, though. So yes. And I know you're a proud alum, mm-hmm. obviously, of Arizona State. And every big softball school, I feel like, that really invests in the sport has such a tight-knit culture, especially in the Pac-12, where there's so much history. So when you think about Sun Devil softball, you know, the maroon and gold, Farrington Stadium, all of it, the works, what is it that makes you love it so much? Like, what rises to the top for you? Well, definitely when I was being recruited, it was like the family family atmosphere. I also loved just the competitive greatness that they like were instilling and the fact that they were competing against the best. And uh, when I was being recruited, they were, there was a year that they won the World Series. And so I would just wanted to be a part of that culture. Um, I loved the campus. I loved... Um, just the proximity to my home. I was, you know, away from home, but close enough that my parents were able to come see me. Um, And so there was just a a bunch of things that kind of 
um, tied into my decision. Um, and I went through a couple co uh, coaching changes when I was there. And then I ended with coach Ford my senior year. And I mean, she just fit in perfectly and she, you know, gave us love that hard love that we all needed. And it was really cool to be a part of. And so I would just say like family and competitiveness um, are the two that really stick out to me. I mean, that'll do it. And I know exactly what you're talking about when it comes to coach <laughs> Ford, <laughs> but I agree with you too, in the sense that it's good to still go away to college, but be close enough to where your family can come watch you. I was similar because I'm from SoCal too, another SoCal girl. Yeah. And having gone to the Bay Area, I had that too. So you have that kind of freedom and that push to be on your own, but you mm -hmm. still are able to have them there. And it's so, I think it's so important. Absolutely. And I mean, I'm really lucky um, that my parents were able to come out and watch me, but also, you know, we have the um, airport with Southwest that flies directly from there to San Diego in 50 minutes. So it was really nice to, like I said, it was nice to be far enough away where I had to gain that independence and those life skills, but also close enough where if I needed something or if I needed a little weekend getaway back home, I could have that. Absolutely. Early in your career, well, really your collegiate career was like such an awesome journey. Yeah. And I, I know that you've talked about this before. I've seen in past interviews where I know you didn't get a chance to play a ton as a freshman. I think you played in about eight games, but then there you were senior year, starting all 53 games as a senior, you're number three on the team in batting average and home runs. That is a journey that doesn't just happen and mm -hmm. you always have it in you, but like to actually let yourself be great is harder than people think. So okay. how do you look back on that? Like, what do you feel like you learned about yourself? Yeah, well, I mean, you all, you know, in high school, you're the best of the best in your high school or whatever the case may be. But I just, it was like a rude awakening when I went my freshman year. Um, I didn't really get a lot of opportunities my freshman year. Um, and it was really hard for me to accept my role. I was a good teammate, but I just, it was hard for me to like swallow. And I even told like my parents, like, I don't want you guys coming and spending time and money to come see me if I'm not going to play. And my parents have always been really good about like, they come to see the team and to see me just be with me. And so once I kind of got over that, I, there was a point right after my freshman year, I wanted to quit softball. I cold turkey. I was like, this is not for me. This is not what I envisioned it being. I love school and I'm doing well in school. I'll just continue at ASU, but just not play softball. And um, I tried out for Team Mexico. I played that summer, my first summer with them. And I like re-fell in love with it. And I was super motivated about getting in shape and just being ready for my sophomore year. Um, and when I returned in the fall, I was ready to go. I hit the ground running and um, I got a little bit more opportunities to play and I took advantage. And so since my sophomore year, I've been, I gained a position on the field and um, I really grew up and I really realized that, like you said, to be great, you have to believe in it first. And you also have to have the support to be able to be great. And so that's why I really do think that Coach Ford at the end of my career, like really sat me down and was like, listen, you're going to play every game. I need you to be healthy and I need you to be ready to go and to lead. And I think that that conversation was awesome because she was being realistic, honest, and she was expecting a lot from me. And so um, it was a journey. And I mean, to see how much I've, I grew as an athlete, but also as a woman at ASU was, was awesome. And, and it was really great to be a part of and to meet Coach Ford through that. That's what it's all about. The growth, the support, everything you're saying. Also, like, I love the fact that you're like 5'3", hitting double digit home runs your last year. I respect the hell out of it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I like, 
I've always known that I'm shorter and I, it's usually, it comes up in my catching. Like, I don't know how you do it, but it, it's definitely something that I think that softball has grown into. It's like, it, you don't have to look a certain way. You don't have to be a certain body shape. Like, and I think that that's something that has been really awesome. And I think that we're all coming together to promote that. Um, and so that, that I respect that. Thank you so much. Cause that's a big, that's a big thing for me. I want people to understand that you don't have to look a certain way to do your job correctly. That's very well said because we say often that the game doesn't know who's supposed to win. The game doesn't know your age. Well, the game doesn't know that either. The game just wants you to work hard yeah. and, and give it everything you can, be a good teammate, do all the right things, you know? Preach, yes. <laughs> Preach, I love it. Well, speaking of uh, doing the right things, well, actually, you tell me, your sister's now at Arizona, U of A. So I know like ASU, U of A, maybe it's not the right thing in your eyes. No, I'm, I'm just playing. But um, I know there are levels to the rivalry too, right? There's, you know, the sister thing is real. There's that. Mm -hmm. But then you add in the competitiveness of sports and softball and then the Wildcat Sun Devil rivalry situation. I mean, that's kind of the trifecta, is it not? (laughs) Totally. I remember when she was getting recruited, she was getting recruited from everybody. And of course, my competitive self was like, I'd ask my parents, like, is she better than me? Like, why does she have so many more looks than I did back in the day? But that's, that was young Sichelle. I saw how much she loved U of A, and I actually got the chance to talk to Coach Kendrea, um, and he just spoke about, you know, our family and about Charlize and what he saw her doing and how much he um, just enjoyed how much energy and passion she brought to the game and just hearing somebody that's so well respected in our sport and just knows his stuff talk about your little sister like that like I knew I told my parents that day that night I was like she's gonna commit to U of A because she was not yet committed and so I was like she's gonna commit to U of A I know it and they were like what and so once she did and once I saw how happy she was and now seeing her at school and you know unfortunately with COVID she didn't get to you know play out the full freshman year but the fact that she's in the spot that she's supposed to be in is like really fulfilling as a sister and um you know I I get this question so much and at the beginning I kind of joke about the rivalry but I just I love everything they're about and I love what they do for her and so you know I always said I'm never wearing U of A I'm never wearing a shirt because that's what was instilled in me for four you know my six years because I did my master's at ASU too and but you should have saw me this fall, like at our first games, I had U of A on, I had like, oh, I was all about it. And so um, I'm just happy that she's happy and she found a good school for her. Well, that's real love and that's real respect too. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Kendra was actually sitting down with you guys as a family and having those conversations, that's actually respect given to you guys as well. Yeah. So when, how do you not feel good about it, you know, exactly. at the end of the day? Exactly. Well, shout out to the Palacios Pac-12 takeover. I love it. <laughs> I'm a husband. She's she's doing all the work now, so it's exciting. I'm excited to see her um, this come this year coming up, and hopefully everything works out with just where we're at as you know in the world right now. But I'm super excited. She's really talented, and I love what they're doing with the program and with her personally. So I'm super excited for that. Yeah, I'm super excited to watch really the Pac-12 softball in general, but her and watch you watch her, not in a creepy yeah. way, obviously, yeah. but just to cheer on, you know, softball families. Cause you have to, you have to love that. Cause you, you know, the grind in you, you've experienced it firsthand and you know, the, it's respect because it, it took a lot to get there, but it also takes a lot to continue it and to work through that. 
It sure does. And you've mentioned it a couple of times too, in terms of the education aspect, like you stayed and you got your master's in education. Yeah. And that is also what it's all about. You know, we talk about being student athletes during our time in college. It's so important. And like you said, the state of the world now, it's like to have that foundation and to make an impact, you know, beyond just the softball field is important. Um, Do you, are you a first gen student? My mom, no, I'm, my mom went to school, but I think that, I think that like, I was the first one of, I think the women to go play a sport. My mom had the opportunity to go and then my dad played or got drafted by the MLB, just didn't sign. And so I think that like, I was the first one to kind of tackle like the student athlete side of it. Um, And it's like, it's a really humbling experience. I mean, you know, firsthand that it's, it's a, it's a grind and, um, but you're definitely right about that foundation, just about like school first, because I mean, look at softball was taken away from all of us. Our sports are taken away from all of us. And what do you have? You know I mean, so um, I really do think I'm really fortunate that I, you know, obviously went to play and got my education, but then coach Ford asked me back to get my master's because I don't really think about it on a day to day. Like I don't think about that. I'm done for with school forever. You know what I mean? Like I don't have any more school. Um, but I mean, it's just, I'm really fortunate that she was able to bring me back on staff and there was room for me. And, um, that was a transition in itself too, but definitely really thankful for that opportunity. Yeah. And I, I actually saw that, that you were a grad assistant for a while when you got your master's and to me, coaches, you know, you're a teacher coaching Mm -hmm. is teaching, right. And you have a master's in education you were a grad assistant, you got to extend your time. And I think I read somewhere that you want to coach down the road, potentially, and even contribute to representation for Latina coaches in softball. Is that something that you're still looking at as a goal? Oh, for sure. Um, I think that, you know, just with the Olympic Games qualifying, it, po- you know, it pushed playing out a little bit longer. And then with it being postponed, it's obviously pushed out a little bit longer. But I mean, um, I would love to continue coaching. I would like to to. Um, hopefully stay in D1. If not, you know, there's always high school and there you go. Like you go back to representation and, you know, making a difference in these young girls' lives um, that come from different walks of life. So I think that that is definitely something that I um, am considering. I love college athletic atmosphere in general. And so if that doesn't work out or the opportunity doesn't present itself, I would like to stay in the college athletic realm, just like maybe as an academic coach, because that's what my master's um, could allow me to potentially do as well um and so I just want to stay in the college athletic atmosphere you're allowed to be passionate and competitive and I think that that's really special it is really special there's just nothing like it it's hard to explain to unless you've experienced it you know with the representation piece too um I'm a fellow Latina so I love it and I love that everything that team Mexico has done really over the years too, like, yeah, the recent years have been like, wow, they've qualified for the Olympics for the first time. And you guys have done so much, but that takes time. Right. Mm -hmm. So not just the recent years for a long time. Yeah. And I think an important part, I I don't know, the Latina community in softball is a very important part of the community to me and Mm -hmm. also sometimes overlooked. And when you're looking at team Mexico and the culture that you guys have as a team and Mexican culture, how do you feel like that mixes with softball culture, if that makes sense? Well, like I mentioned for ASU, a big thing that we have on the national team is like family, but also like blue collar, like work ethic. I think that like, um, I remember my first couple, you know, my first tournament with Team Mexico, we didn't win a lot of 
games. We were playing against, I was playing against people that I played with or against in college. And so it's like a real, um, kind of like a reality check, like you're playing and you're developing and you're playing for this team for a reason. And I think that that has been instilled in this team is like the work ethic, the um, family environment, the just like passion to do it and like to accept where we're at and to like roll with the punches. I think, you know, my experience with the national team has been awesome, but it's also been like very night and day from college. Um, just as far as like how it's ran, how the money aspect, you know, going from a college atmosphere to the national team and the, um, that type of atmosphere. So I think it's just, it's different, but at the same time, like a lot of those, those, um, you know, values that you share in college transfer over. And then you get girls, you know, for our team, we're lucky that we have girls from all different, different universities that bring in a different look or different values. So I think it's really cool that, you know, something that they learned, let's say at Oregon, they brought in or at, you know, U of A, they brought in. And so it's just been really cool to like, just pick their brains and also just to play off one another. To be honest, so as you know, as I mentioned when I reached out to you to come on the show, um, that I've had Thule and Serve on here. And I actually played with Brittany when we were 11. It was pretty crazy. Like I've known her for so long, but hadn't caught up in a long time, but that was fun. But when we're talking about Team Mexico, I feel like a common theme is kind of the hard work family atmosphere that you guys have as a team, as as your kind of team culture that you're building together. Um, But for them, they both kind of said, you know, I've been more recently with the team, um, but they had so much respect for what came before them too. Mm -hmm. And I, because you've been on this team for five years or more, right? Yeah. I feel like you're a big part of that. I mean, hopefully I know you can be humble and all that, but I just think that that's, it's important to recognize like who helped put that into place. Thank you. I, I really do think, I hope that, you know, I have that effect on the team. And I think there's a couple other girls that have been on the team for a while. And um, it was definitely a grind to get to where we're at. And like, I still think that like when we went to Canada for the qualifying event, nobody really expected us to make it out of that tournament. Um, and it took all of us buying in and all of us being on the same page. And we really did that, especially after Peru, where we didn't play very well and didn't play up to our potential. And we all knew it. Um, we were just coming off of MPF season, which was every single day playing against the best of the best. It was taxing on our bodies, on our mental. So not going to Peru and not playing well, you know, we just needed a little bit of a break from softball from each other. And I think that that's kind of what, helped us for Canada was to have that time away. Um, We all went with our families, we all enjoyed, and we came back to Canada ready to go. And, you know, Thule uh, and all the girls have come on in the past couple years have all been little pieces to help us be more competitive and to broaden out just our our depth. And I think that, you know, it's, it's really nice to hear that. And I think that that is something that at the beginning I wanted to leave. just whether we qualified for the Olympics or not, like I knew what this team had gone through and we endured throughout the seasons to get to that point, to even be able to go and compete against some of these teams. Right. And every link matters. That's something that Tuli mentioned about your whole experience in qualifying is that you needed every single person to do it, but those victories are kind of the sweetest, I feel. Mm -hmm. 
it was it was really cool. I mean, we had girls that, you know, we took 18, but you could only have a roster of a certain amount of girls. And the girls that were not on the active roster were there just as happy. And, you know, people that weren't playing, they locked in and they, they did their job to for the team. And I really think they may have mentioned, but we said our slogan was one more. And I think it meant like one more pitch, one more out, one more inning, one more game. And we focused on that one single game. And I think that it took a little bit of the pressure off. Believe me, there was still pressure and there was still that excitement, but I do think that it helped kind of just gather our thoughts for that one game that we had against Brazil or against, you know, the Dominican to get to those final couple massive games that meant a lot for us and they were on the line it's so true one pitch at a time that's why we say it right the other thing is speaking of teammates you mentioned that when you were looking at asu it was the year that they won the world series mm-hmm. well, i remember that because i was playing during that time and i remember being like oh that's great yep asu won i'm just kidding but for me i always back the pack no matter what so i was for like sure. yes we need to keep Oil. pack 12 mm-hmm. chain running but I know that that was the year that your now Mexican national team teammate, Dallas Escobedo. Yeah. She led ASU to victory mm-hmm. through that yeah. whole process. And now your teammates on Mexico. But you were you already teammates before that together? So, um, my freshman year, she was a senior. And I caught her a little bit in the fall, the fall games that we'd have during like October timeframe, I caught her. And I felt like we had really good, like, just chemistry, like I felt really comfortable catching her, like she was ridiculously talented, and moved the ball, and was like three, four years older than me, but I felt like I did a good job kind of helping her in that aspect, like battery mates. Um, I didn't play at all my pretty much the spring. Um, and I was just sad. I, I looked up a lot to Caitlin Castillo, who was a catcher at ASU, um, caught her at the World Series. She was like my height, feisty, and I loved how she worked with Dallas. And that's something that I wanted to achieve my freshman year. So that was my expectation and that didn't happen. I was a little hurt, but I finished out my career great. Um, and then obviously I was trying to get her to come to Team Mexico for a while. Um, and just, it didn't play out in her cards. And then finally she joined. And since then, like we just hit the ground running. And I think that I had that chance to live out that dream of catching her and being that battery mate for her. And, you know, honestly, it's so, I'm so comfortable catching her now. It is, you know, we talk the game, we talk pitching, we talk, you know, just everything. And I think it's really cool to be a part of. And, you know, I always thought that, well, in my path was to go to college and catch her that freshman year and to win the World Series and celebrate the way they did when they won with Castillo. And I think back about it now and I'm like, wow, I did that just to go to the Olympic Games. And I think that that it's like a full circle moment. And definitely I'm so happy she had the ball that game. Um, and she ended it the way she ends the game it, with a strikeout. And I think that, that was really like just the perfect ending to a perfect game. And um, it was really cool to be a part of. I love that. And I feel like the, so teammates are teammates. Like there's always something special there, no matter what and what context you played with them in. But there's something about college teammates. Like you said, you just love that college atmosphere and you want to be in it later in life too. But whenever I've seen college teammates get to play together on, on a different level, whether that's professional, international, whatever it is, there's just something special about it. And I feel like you guys have that with ASU, that connection. But then even I would throw in just Arizona in general, like something about that state with Thule and with Taylor McQuillan, like you guys have something going on. I definitely am happy that they're on 
my side of the ball, they're on my team because I would not want to hit off of them ever again. That's definitely something that I do not want to do ever in my life. <laughs> um, they are so talented. And I think that like you have that respect, like I had to compete against them and they're two of the best lefties that I've had to face. And I think that um, it's nice to also pick their brain and see how they work on the mound and to once be, you know, hitting it off or against them and trying to pick their brain that way. Now I'm behind the dish and I'm working with them for this goal. And I think it's, it's really cool. And they're both super passionate and they're, you know, fired up because they were taught by some of the best. And that's what makes me so happy for my sister too, that she gets to um, be a part of that community with them. But I definitely think that, you know, it's been really cool to add them on. And we've had Bridget Del Ponte on our team. Um, and she took last year off because she had a baby. But I, I definitely think that um, just like seeing how they, they play, they're just as passionate. They just have different, you know, they went to a different school, obviously, but they bring something different to the table. And I think that I'm really happy that they're, again, they're on our team and um, I get to work with them because every pitcher, and that's the beauty, I think, of my position, every pitcher is so different and works differently. And I think it's been really cool to learn from them and to, to work with them. And that is very unique to being a catcher. You're dealing with a lot of personalities on the mound. And pitchers are so unique, yes. you know? They're quirky. They have, like, like everyone's, like, has their specific personality. Like, that's mm -hmm. definitely a factor, but, like, for you as the leader behind the plate. Yeah, it's uh, a, a beautiful challenge. Like, you have to talk to them differently. You have to say things differently. You have to, you know, caress them and, you know, coddle them differently. It's It's really... And we have, uh, we have four pitchers, so it's, it's a challenge, but it's super exciting and it's, it's really cool to be a part of. And, um, you know, there's something special about battery mates and especially, you know, you would think that because I caught for Dallas, I have the same relationship that I feel I have with Dallas with the other three. And I think that's something that's, you know, it's been a lot of work to get there, but it's, it's been exciting to be a part of. I know you've mentioned a few times about your dad too, like he played baseball and kind of shared your dream. He's helped coach you up and all of that, but he's been a part of every step of the way. So what's the reaction, you know, when you, after you guys qualify in the big moments, but also even in the tough moments, you know, like how is your relationship with him? So I never, like a lot of kids would go get lessons. A lot of, you know, I never did that. It was all here in the backyard on a tee, you know, with the net and just like talking the game. And definitely in Canada, there was just a different type of pressure. I'm telling you, we'd go to like breakfast meet. It was my dad, my mom, my little brother. Charlize was already in school, so she couldn't be at the tournament. But we'd be at the breakfast table talking about like, the plan or what I was going to pitch to each team or what, like, it was never just like a moment of just like relaxing. It was like what we were going to do in the plan to do it against this team that day. Um, and so we're always talking the game. And I think that just like, he's always installed, like instilled that idea of you got to leave everything out on the field, like empty the gas tank and, but also be like that spark plug. And I think that that's something that I'm like, I'm fortunate that I'm in a position where it allows me to lead, but like, that's something that I want to do is I want to be that, that little spark plug. It's a saying in Spanish, but a spark plug. And I think that, you know, that is something that he's always harping on. It's like my defense can be there 100% of the time hitting them to come and go, but my defense, and I, that's something that I really take pride in. And I think I got it, you know, obviously learning from him, but I got it like through my blood. It's in my blood. I know it because that's something that he excelled at. Um, and just to command the game. And I mean, 
it's, it's been really, really special to share that with not just him, my mom played too. So they understand the game and to have them there celebrating and understanding, like, it wasn't just that week of the grind. It was six, seven years prior to that. And like them being excited to go see my first game with Mexico to seeing potentially could have been my last game, you know, with the national team, but now we extended our, our opportunity and our time. And so it was really special to have them there and to have them watching and just for them to be a part of the celebration because it was, it was really special. I mean, that's your other team, mm-hmm. you know, that's your team at home or even really like extended teammates to team Mexico or any team that you're a part of. That's how it works. You know, like where that's what the team family is all about. Yeah, for sure. It was, it was really special. And I, I mean, even the pictures that I have, my little brother's like in the back, like fist pumping and like, just like so excited. It was like really raw emotions. And um, it was hard to believe. I mean, I think a big game for us was Puerto Rico. I mean, Canada was what qualified for the us for the Olympics, but that Puerto Rico game, we have been back and forth with them. They're a great team. Um, and we were back and forth for many years. Um, and for us to pull off that win against them gave us the confidence to go into Canada just without any fear of what was going to happen. Cause we know we had another chance after that if we didn't um, win, but definitely that game against Puerto Rico was super tight, super like the energy and the atmosphere in that, in that game, that tournament was something that I don't think we'll be able to replicate until the Olympic games. Um, because it was, it was a crazy game to be a part of. I like, I was so exhausted and I know all of us emptied our tank and it was, it was a great, a great team win. I mean, that's another team that's very just indicative in addition to team Mexico, Puerto Rico, in terms of both seeing both of your programs grow the way that you have it's just yeah. great for the sport. Like, yeah. you know, cause growing up, it's all about like team USA. If you grew up in the U S mm-hmm. like that's what we watched, you know, and that's who we rooted for, but there is so much more out there for softball internationally, even within the U S like different levels, different teams, different regions. And to see that growth, that's what I think the big goal is that anyone in the softball community shares is yeah. growing the game. For sure. I could, I agree. I mean, I grew up watching USA, their training facility is like 10 minutes down the road for me at the Olympic training center. And so, um, whenever, you know, softball was in the Olympics and they had those exhibition games and I would go watch and we'd get signatures and we'd be so excited to see them competing at this level. And, you know, for a while, that's what I wanted to do. But when this was presented with itself, like I, you know, wanted to take full advantage of it and the Olympics were not or the softball wasn't in the Olympics when I first started. And so it was a means for me to get more reps uh, to play internationally, which was a goal of mine. Um, And then to watch it, you know, us grind it out still with softball, not in the Olympics. And then for them to announce it and get that opportunity to compete and to potentially gain a spot was really special. And so um, it is true that, you know, you could, there's different ways to reach your goal. Um, and I'm really fortunate that I was able to try out for Team Mexico and make it um, that first year. So it's been, a, it's been a really awesome journey and a great ride with Team Mexico for sure. And you have been a spark plug. And how, how do you say that saying in Spanish? My dad says you want to be the chispa behind the plate. It's like, just like the spark that lights up the fire, like that little flame that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I just think that like, as uh, like I said, a catcher, you have a very special role on the field. Um, and I just, that's something that I really do pride myself on is my defense. And I think it's special also because I'm, I'm shorter and I, 
you know, people don't expect me to be able to do my job the same way, but I'm just, I'm feisty behind the plate. And that's something that I'm proud of. Um, and I've worked really hard to get to this spot where I'm super confident behind the plate. I remember when I was younger, I'd be like, I had a really good arm when I was young, but I would be so con like self-conscious. I was like, I hope they don't run because I don't know if I'm going to be able to just like throw them out. Whereas now it's like, it's exciting when there's a runner on and uh, it's just competitiveness and it's growth throughout the years of playing. I like that. Chispa. Chispa. Uh, I don't speak Spanish fluently. I wish I did. I'm trying, my grandparents do. I'm like trying to get back to it other than, you know, Spanish that I took in school, but yeah. you do speak Spanish fluently, right? Mm -hmm. Does that help on the team? Cause I know it's a mix. Like some do speak Spanish, some don't. Yeah. Yeah. My first couple of years, um, I was one of t like two that only, like we spoke English and Spanish. Um, everybody else spoke Spanish and um, that like that's a learning curve in itself like how to communicate on the softball field like they say different things for different you know plays or cuts and relays and all that stuff so that was definitely um, a transition but it was nice being able to communicate with them off the field um, and just to create that you know mix and not feel like it's like them against us kind of thing and um, I definitely think that I was in Arizona obviously playing and it when you don't practice it you lose the confidence to talk it and so my first couple of tournaments with them it was hard for me to communicate because I didn't feel confident with it speaking it but now I mean it's it's really nice to be able to communicate with them with the coaches and and a lot of the girls don't speak it but they understand and they're trying to learn and they're trying to you know gather as much information so uh, we do get a lot of backlash that we live in the states and that we're not really Mexican but we are our bloodline is and you know we're trying to do things that, you know, we have um, Zoom calls every two weeks and, um, you know, they give us fun facts about people that we meet with. They give us fun facts about Mexico and things to like get us engaged because that's something that we all want to be better about is like representing the country because yes, we're good at softball, but because we are part of that country and that's our bloodline. So um, it's been nice to be able to fall back on that and be able to speak and to, you know, interviews and stuff. It's so intimidating because I'm more comfortable with English, but it's really nice that I am able to do those because I do know, and my parents passed that on to me. That's really special to be able to kind of just like entrench yourself into the culture completely because it is such an important part of your life. Definitely. Uh, I love that. And I, I'm trying, I'm working on Duolingo and I'm trying to do the Spanish lessons to like catch up with my grandparents. I should just call my grandparents and do like live lessons, honestly. Yeah. Just, and there's no, no pressure because they're family. So you could butcher a word and they won't really mind. Just True. <laughs> Great point. <laughs> well, we, we've been talking about it plenty, but going to the Olympics, such a big deal. First time ever for Mexico, Cinderella story. We've, we've talked about those things. But now being in this waiting game with the postponement, you know, you come from such a huge high to like, wow, this is really tough. And it's tough yeah. for all the teams, right? But it's yeah. just that momentum that you built. It's kind of ups and downs. How are you kind of riding that wave, you and your team? Yeah. Um, so we qualified. We had some time off. Then we started in Japan in November for like a first part of our, I wouldn't say our tour because we're not doing kind of what USA is doing. We had probably one big tournament per month. Um, and just to kind of keep us, you know, together playing and competing against good teams, that was all great because we were excited and then it got postponed. It was hard. It was like, 
because we all had to extend this career for another year, right? And it was, you know, at this time I would have been there, we would have been competing. And then this fall, I would have probably tried to start finding a job or going into college coaching, like I mentioned, but um, it was hard, but also it was like a time where like, I, and I wanted the team to know that like what we did in, in Canada last fall was like record breaking. And um, it's great that we're going to go to the Olympics, but if it doesn't happen to know that what we did in, in Surrey, Canada was special and a lot of people took notice, a lot of people realized, and it was really special and something that has not ever been done. And so it was like, it was hard, but it was also like a moment of clarity and like understanding that what we did was really special. And so hopefully at this time next year, we'll be in Japan. Um, and I mean, it's just, it was a lot of planning also, like my family had their flights, had everything booked and it was like kind of a moment of like, are we going to get that money back? Are we going to be able to use the tickets, all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different components of it, but I mean, what we did last summer, I'm so proud of and the way we came together, the way that we ended that year of play was, was really special. So it's kind of bittersweet for sure. Oh, of course, because how could it not be, you know, like this is not something that people have gone through before really either. So it's just so unique. There's no blueprint to it, you know, and everybody's, everybody's way to the Olympic games was different. And, um, I remember watching Italy, um, when, cause I, I played with Carasoni in the MPF, um, Emily Carasoni and she went and she played with Italy and I watched their games and just to see the excitement, you could feel the energy, you could feel the, the stress, but it was exciting to watch, but it was really nerve wracking because we were like, Oh my God, we're the next qualifying event. Like we're the ones to find out who's going next. And lucky for us, we had two coming out of our tournament, but, but still like you have some of the best athletes representing, you know, at our qualifying event. And, you know, I've talked that we're not the ones that are supposed to make it out as Puerto Rico and Canada. Well, for us to leave that tournament undefeated said something and it was, it was really cool. It was so special to be a part of. And, um, again, I don't think that's going to be able to be replicated until the Olympic Games. That's one of the, my favorite things about sports, though, is like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this is who's projected to win, or here are the rankings, and then you just shatter them. It's just the best. It's special, yeah. Oh, man. But as part of your journey with Team Mexico, you played in the MPF at the Comets, and also the Bandits before mm-hmm. that. Um, and I've heard from everyone I've talked to that the MPF is a grind. So yeah. when you think about it, you know, what are some of the high points, but also what are some of the tough points about it? Well, you're playing against the best of the best. Like, that's really cool to be able to say that you took it to the highest level. I never really like, I never thought professional was going to be something that I was going to end up doing. But I mean, I'm super happy that I got the opportunity to um, play with the bandits. I didn't get drafted after my senior year. And I was kind of bummed about it because that was a point where I was like, oh, I could actually do this. Like, I could actually play in the MPF. Didn't get drafted that was fine. That was just not in the cards. I just played with Mexico that summer. Like I typically did. Um, and then the next year, Stacy movement was coaching with the bandits and Stacy movement coaches right down the street from my hometown and, um, at San Diego state. And, um, I just, she asked and I, and I took the opportunity and I went with it. I played bandits and Mexico. And then this past year, um, the national team, we, um, had a partnership with the Cleveland comments. And so, a lot of our team was in Cleveland playing. And honestly, they've probably all said this, but the MPF was the reason why I think we qualified for the Olympics because mm-hmm. being together playing 
for three months every single day, whether it be games or practice, was the difference. Like prior to the MPF, we'd meet maybe a week, not even three days before our first tournament. We try to get a couple practices in like double days and then we'd go play. Like you need to be together grinding it out. And that was exactly what the MPF did for us. And it, we were fortunate that we were playing against Canada and the Aussie Peppers both teams that were also national international teams and i think that like at the beginning when we played against the canadian wild which was the Na canadian national team it was it was very um i was very nervous we were very nervous because we knew that they were a good team um but towards the end of it like especially in canada it was just another game against the canadian wild like we knew the pitchers, we knew their team. I knew how to pitch to the girls. Like I knew what I wanted to do to get them out or to, you know, make it a good ball game. And so it was, it was really special to be a part of the Cleveland Comets and our, my experience, I can compare it to the bandits was just the same or better. I loved the people that were in Cleveland and um, it was, it was a lot of fun. And did you play with when Lauren Lappin was at the bandits oh, at all? Yeah. 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 It was Love her, her. Um, Stacey Newman, and uh, Tori Tyson. Oh, Tori. She's also been on our show. So yeah, I she... love this. Lauren is actually, which it's weird to call her Lauren, Lap is what wow. all the Stanford alumni call her. So I don't know why I just said that. But <laughs> she's supposed to come on the show soon, actually. So I'm excited about that. But she, her energy that she brings, and like no words need to be said about Stacey Newman, right? And like the rest yeah. of the coaching staff too. But it's just that's the kind of like, well, it's chispa, I guess. Like, that's like what it is. And so that's so cool that you got to have that in a few different contexts. Yeah, it was really cool. And again, I, Stacey Newman was recruiting me out of high school to go to San Diego State. And I decided to go to ASU and she still gives me crap for it. But like- As she should, just because why not? <laughs> she can't. But I think it was really cool to finally, like again, full circle, be able to be coached by her, be able to learn from her learn from Lappin um, and, and Tori. And I learned a lot from the, those three in such a short matter of time because I missed a lot of games with Bandits to be with Team Mexico too. Um, and so I learned a lot from them and um, they're all super competitive, um, super knowledgeable. And then to be able to play against Lapp and be with the Cleveland Comets and to be with an organization that was kind of on the rise. Bandits has a good idea of what they're doing, but like the comments, they're on the rise and trying to do things and make it a professional softball team kind of thing. Like they were super welcoming and I, I loved Cleveland. I loved the area that we were in. Um, and it was really nice again, to be with all of us um, Team Mexico players and get better together and know that everybody's putting in work. But then towards the end, it was a grind. Like being with each other every single day and grinding it out, it was it was tough. Um, and I think that that's why that time after Peru was really beneficial for all of us. And you've talked about not only yourself getting better, but getting better at being able to get people out and make those right pitch calls, et cetera. So something that's a little bit like fading more and more and almost not quite a lost art, but it's kind of heading in that direction to me is that catchers aren't calling games as much themselves. Yeah. yeah. It sounds like you still call your games. Yeah. In college, I didn't, um, I didn't coach Ford called it my senior year. I felt comfortable being able to call, but it was just like, it was nice to not have to worry about it. Cause I did call it with the national team. Um, and 
I just, there's something about being able to be present with your pitcher in that game. And you, who's going to see the game better than you two, right? Who's going to see the tendencies or what the, where the hitters in the box, what you did before. It just, it's a lot of information, but it's nice to work through that with the pitcher of that game. And I think that, you know, like I said, it was nice to play against, you know, the Canadian wild because they're so talented and they are such a great team. And it's a challenge to call the game and to be on the same page, but it was, it was really special. And that's something that I hope that, you know, I don't think at 10 years old, you need to be able to call a game. Like, I don't think that the wristbands are fine, but the authenticity and the timing of a game that's being called by a pitcher and catcher is different than when you're looking at a wristband. And I think that, um, it's like you said, a lost art, but I think that once you get in a, in a position where you're comfortable with your pitching, you could have those grown up conversations, but also learn from each other and know what she wants to throw. When I, let's say I give her a pitch and she shakes, know that next pitch, that's when it's the growth. And it's, it's that energy is awesome and really fun to be a part of. I couldn't agree more. And it is an entirely new layer on top of the game. And as mm -hmm. a catcher, I mean, really, if you think about it, like out of anybody else on the field, the most is probably on the catcher with pitchers. If pitchers who, if they hit too, like, okay, then you have, you're dealing with being on the mound and hitting and contributing to your team on both sides of the ball. But a lot of pitchers don't like, it's definitely a mix catchers. Like you're hitting and you're calling the game and you're managing pitchers. And like, there's so many different parts to what your role is. Oh, and it's, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I love it. I love just that you know, and I'm telling you, like I said, we would go to eat and I'd be thinking of what I was going to throw. And it's funny because um, one of the games, my mom took notes on Puerto Rico, like their hitters and what they did and what she thought the pitch was. I think it was against Canada. So it was a game right before we played Puerto Rico. And um, I remember at the breakfast table where we were eating, she was like, okay, this girl, I was like, let me guess. She tried to hit the changeup and she popped up or whatever. And I like, she, I knew like, these teams like the back of my hand and it was just from playing against them for so long and just kind of taking those mental notes and so I had a 10 I needed to sit, take a step back during the qualifying event and a couple of my teammates would come up to me and be like listen I know you want this more than anybody but you need to calm down and just be here present for this moment because if we don't qualify you're going to be regretting that you didn't enjoy this tournament and I'm like yeah you're right but I wanted I just wanted it so bad and I, I didn't want to make I wanted to make sure that none of the pitches that I called made the difference you know like in the in the wrong way but it was I had to like kind of let go of control and just know that it was going to happen if it was meant to happen and it did and I mean that those Puerto Rico Canada games those two games were gnarly and I think that you know I had this whole like celebration planned out like if she would have struck somebody out I would have ran up to Dallas and jumped on her like Keelan Castillo did like I'm telling you this was my dream since I was little when I saw them playing and I didn't do that like I look at my the celebration like and I like late like I looked down because I was so exhausted but I think that in the moment it was a perfect way to end and I was just I was just so thankful I didn't have to call another pitch because I was so mentally trained like it was taxing body wise but mentally I was out for the count like I was done after those couple games and so um but it, it was really nice to be part of and I, I hope it does go back to to catchers calling their own game because I, and that's where we started right that was the question you asked me I'm going off a tangent that's but, where we started but you know what you never end where you start right like I feel like words to live by <laughs> so yeah catchers should call their own game and start getting kind of uncomfortable 
making those decisions. And I mean, and it's not just the catcher, it's the pitcher and the catcher working together. And that's something that you have to kind of realize too. Yeah, I know Coach Ford always used to say that like, well, you know, the catcher is suggesting the pitcher is the one calling her game. And I'm like, that's a very pitcher thing to say, but yes, yeah. Coach Ford, sure. <laughs> She's always right. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we hate it? No. Yeah. We talk about the growth of softball, but pro softball in itself is growing too with Athletes Unlimited. And mm-hmm. I, we've actually dug deep into it on this show over these last months. And you're on the ground floor signing with them in your first year. And I actually, I know that Athletes Unlimited was in contact with the MPF as it was developing. So do you yeah. feel like there's more collaboration or competition between those two leagues? I think collaboration. I mean, Sherry, um, the MPF commissioner is on every call. Um, I just think it's another way for us to continue playing. I don't think it should be like, and that's something I think we need to go away from. It shouldn't be MPF or international or MPF NAU. It should be just softball at a high level. And I think that that's something that I'm excited for is like competing. I mean, they have cat, we have cat, we have some pictures that are like on there that I'm playing against or with USA players, um, with or Canada players. Like it's going to be really exciting to be a part of because it's so competitive. Um, and I love Rosemont. I mean, I played there with the Bandits, and um, I'm just excited to continue to prep, but also to play against some of the best. And it's going to be a grind. Like, it's going to be super competitive with the teams changing every week um, and getting drafted and that. And so it's it's definitely going to be a challenge, and I'm, I'm really excited to go play. And I, I know all of us are really eager to get on the field, and um, I'm hoping that everything works out with just the, the COVID planning that they've been putting together and um, I'm just like really fortunate that they asked me to play and that I signed and I I just get another opportunity to play and play with the best. That's the dream really like that's it right there. We've talked about on this show and Athletes Unlimited has put out content explaining like what makes it unique, what makes it different, focused on the individual, like teams change, all of those things. But as far as the impact of this on softball and even sports, because it's not just softball, right? Like volleyball is also going to happen with Athletes Unlimited. Like if you could only leave us with like two takeaways that we should keep in mind about Athletes Unlimited and the impact it's going to have, what do you feel like those would be? I really do think that a big part of the AU is that they're bringing people from all different like some girls that stopped playing for a little bit are coming back and are going to play. People that are on different national teams, people that are from obviously different colleges, different levels, different ages. Like, I think that is just something that's going to be so cohesive. The people behind the scenes, the people that the investors, the people that are working with us one-on-one having those zoom calls bi-weekly. Like, I think that they're doing a phenomenal job trying to get to know us and what we need. Um, And, I just think it's going to be, it's going to be competitive. Like the fact that we signed with CBS Sports and ESPN, that's huge. And that's growth for our sport. And I think that we're going to be able to be like available for people to watch more of. Like we always talked about like that commercial where the dad takes the little girl to a baseball game. Like we want to be able to have them obviously not now because of COVID, but like in the future, have them take them to a game, a softball game, because it's grown that much. And I mean, you've seen what college softball has done and how, important and how highly viewed it is well that's where we want to get this to be and um if I play next year that's great if not like to be a part of like the first season that's taking off um it's it's going to be so fun it's going to be super competitive um we're going to all have to be on tip-top shape and on our grind to get onto the teams and um 
so I don't know if that answered your question, but I do think that it's going to be super competitive and just super diverse, like from people from all different walks. I think that's a great point. It's a little bit of an interesting lesson on diversity for that we can apply in multiple aspects of life. life yeah. Um, not surprising though, because we learn so much from sports that we apply to our lives. So why, why would this be any different? Exactly. And I feel like the fact that we're putting this on amidst the whole pandemic and everything that's happening is pretty special. And it it's really comes from the people that are behind the scenes. It does. And, and I'll be honest, I think we all are. Like, I'm nervous about sports with COVID just because I want everyone to be healthy, right? Like, <laughs> we want to move forward. But it's kind of nice that Athletes Unlimited kind of naturally baked in is almost like that bubble for you guys to compete. Like, it, that's kind of already how it was formatted anyway. So, so that's good. But yeah. even if you made a great point where it's like, even if for some reason something goes wrong with COVID and we're not able to play that season or it's not able to finish or whatever it is, like the interest and the investment that has been given to softball and shown yeah. through this yeah. is huge. Like even just that alone for us to move forward as a sport. With uh, Kevin Durant's business partner who has, they have the boardroom and they were just talking about how they could help us navigate this and, and make softball bigger. And like Abby Wambach, you have Jessica Mendoza, you have people that are like these huge pillars in, in sports and not just in softball, it's in sports. And I think that, you know, I watch, I'm a Padres fan because I'm from San Diego. They had their exhibition game against the Angels yesterday. And it, yes, it's different that you don't see fans and it changes the game. But the, the fact that they are doing it and that we're able to see sports again is really exciting. And um, I'm anxious. I'm excited. I'm nervous because you're playing against the best and it's going to be super competitive. But I mean, and that's kind of what I was looking at. I was like, whether I play, whether I don't, whether we finish or we don't, to say that I was a part of it and that I got to experience it is is the point. And um, I'm really excited to head out to Rosemont. I'm so excited to watch you. Um, well, I feel like I could talk to you all day, to be honest. Um, but I, I have one more little game to wrap up for us. Okay. Um, it's called Safer Out. It's fun. Don't worry. No pressure. Um, and I do this with everybody. So basically like I'll bring up a topic and I'll ask you, do you think it's safe or out? And if you like it or you agree with it, you'll call it safe. Okay. Um, if you don't like it, if you don't agree with it, you'll say it's out. Does that make sense? Yes. Cool. So knee savers for catchers, safe or out? Out. Out. I had a feeling cause I saw some pictures of you and I'm like, she's not wearing them. And you know what? I used to wear them. I used to wear them and I moved to a different travel. I played with I played with like Renegades, which is like a local San Diego team. And then I went to Batbusters with Mike Stith. And I remember my first practice, literally I had my knee savers on because I would still wear them. And they would, he, one of the coaches gave me so much crap. They're like, you don't wear those. And so that night I told my dad to help me take them off. And I ne have never worn them ever since. Maybe for practice, but I'm going to still, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay out for that one. I feel like that's like a little more old school, right? Where you're like, oh, you don't need those. Maybe like kids, right? Like as they're learning yeah. to catch. But if we're talking this level. Let's keep those off. For practice, go ahead. Like I used to catch bullpens on a bucket sometimes, but like no, no knee savers in my opinion. That's fair. That's fair. Well, then I'll ask you one more quick one. Okay. Um, last names on jerseys, safer out. I didn't have it in college, but I, I say safe. I think it's clean. I think it looks good. Um, people are always like, oh, but it's not about the name in the back. It's the name in the front. I'm like, if you are 
if you have the idea of the team before you in general, it doesn't matter if you have it in the back or not, you know what I mean? And so I think that I, I think it looks sharp. Um, and I'm, I'm going to go with safe. I agree with you. We didn't have it in college either. And I agree team first, but that's why the team's on the front, right? Like you're on the back team front teams first. It's fine. We got the symbolism down, but you know, we talked about like how your family is like an extended part of the team and the family. Right. And it's about these families coming together for this team. So I'm with you. I agree. That's a good way to put it. I like that. Well, thank you so much. Sashel, I mean, this was awesome. So much fun. I hope you had a good time because it's been great getting to know you and just getting to chat was awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. And um, I look forward to hearing it. And um, I listened to a couple of the other podcasts and they've been really insightful and and sounds like you get along well with everybody that you talk to. So thank you so much for inviting me. And it was a lot of fun to chat. Sashel's journey is such a cool one with so many layers to it. As a person, from Latina representation to body positivity and more, and of course, as a player. And we talked about the grind a lot, especially as a catcher. And it also requires you to take care of yourself and your body. And this week's double play tip is about recovery, helping your body recover after playing or training. And I'm going to cover the mental part first this time because it applies to everything here. When it comes to recovery, think about having an active approach. When we're talking about recovery, it's not just about rest. Rest is when you literally stop moving or stop working. Recovery, if you look in the dictionary, is the action or process of regaining possession or control of something stolen or lost, or a return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. It's an action, right? So true recovery is active. It's more than just resting. We've talked a lot about training and taking care of yourself, especially in our previous episode with Dana Sorensen, who's not just a former player at Stanford, but also a sports performance specialist now. And when you're feeling run down, it's not necessarily as simple as just being overtrained, but it could be that you're under-recovered. But what can you actually do to actively recover? That's the physical part. I've mentioned cooling down with static stretching before, but I wanna share five more quick options or examples that you can do with or without equipment. So a big one everyone knows is about ice. Absolutely do that, especially your throwing arm. That really should be a given. But I think the next level is to actually alternate cold and heat. Ice helps reduce inflammation and soreness and heat helps relax your muscles. Alternating them keeps your body on its toes, so to speak, without getting too stiff. A good way to do this is if there's an ice bath and a hot tub in the training room, spend 30 seconds to a minute in each and alternate several times between the two. This is especially good for the lower half of your body. Your legs are doing a lot of work when you're training and playing. But if you don't have access to a facility, you can just get in the shower. Turn the shower to cold, turn it on over to hot and alternate that way you're still able to get a similar effect even if you don't have that facility to jump into. And generally, this whole concept of alternating temperatures is good at the end of your recovery. But before that, it's actually good to put some pressure directly on your muscles with a foam roll, for example. You use the foam roll to roll on your quads, hamstrings, calves, your back, etc. Your body weight on top of it naturally provides pressure And so it might hurt so good at first, but that's because it's actually doing its job. 
but without a foam roll, you could use a massage stick. And it's usually a stick just with handles on each end and a center that kind of spins and lets you roll. Just grab onto it and roll that over your muscles as well. It might not be as deep as a foam roll experience, but it's still good for them. It pushes out the extra lactic acid that builds up and can make muscles sore. That's what we're doing here. If you don't have a foam roll or a massage stick, you can even just use a softball itself to roll on. It's almost like a little tiny foam roll. I actually remember I had a roommate who was on the track team and she came back from practice one day with a softball. And I was like, what are you doing with the softball? But they had given it to them for recovery in this way. The next couple tips are actually about your feet. And you can do these immediately after training. The first is to elevate your feet. So what I mean by elevate is to lift your feet above your heart for blood flow. Your feet have been absorbing it all day and throughout your workout and circulation is important. Elevating allows the blood to flow down to the rest of your body and that blood flow helps those parts of your body function. And when we used to do conditioning in the weight room when I was in college, sometimes right afterwards, we just lay on the floor and prop our feet up on the wall. You really only need a wall to do this. It's nothing fancy. It's the same thing you do. That's why they say to elevate your feet if you sprain your ankle or if something's swollen, it's the same concept, but you're just doing it proactively. The other thing you can do for your feet is get away from just a basic flat surface. So you can actually remove your shoes and walk on a cobblestone mat. It's basically a small kind of patch, almost like a rug, I guess, with man-made pieces on it that sort of simulate stones, almost like a rocky riverbed or what you see on a cobblestone street, hence the name. And you can walk on it or stand and kind of shift your weight back and forth on the surface if it's a small surface. Using your body weight to just put pressure on your feet on top of this kind of surface helps with mobility and balance. If you don't have a mat, you can try to find the equivalent in nature or something similar. For example, my sophomore year, I remember our first tournament was in Hawaii. And one of the days, our recovery assignment from our strength and conditioning coach was to literally just kick off our shoes and walk barefoot on the sand at the beach. Kind of the dream, but it was because it had this sort of effect on our bodies and probably mental health too. The last thing I'll mention is sleep. And I know I said that like, hey, recovery is not just about rest, but I'm not just talking about taking a day off or passing out, taking a nap. I'm talking about logging the hours of sleep that your body needs. Because when you sleep, that's actually when your body rebuilds itself for the next day. Your brain might not be active since you're obviously unconscious, but your body is still going through its process. And actually scheduling and prioritizing sleep time in the first place is still being proactive and sometimes harder than it sounds. And really all you need obviously for this is your bed. So simple enough. There are many, many ways to recover. These five are just a really good start. So that's the physical and mental side of recovery. Keep an active approach. That's the double play tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Believe.com. Subscribe, share the episodes, rate and review the show, please, especially those of you with iPhones and that Apple Podcasts app. Hit me up on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra, as always. Thank you again for listening, and I'll catch you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.